This show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get a free book just for trying them out for one month. This is episode 55 of the Book Guys Show. My name is Paul the Book Guy Alves, joined as always by a great panel of hosts, book lovers. Starting on the left there, Mr. Father Robert Balliser Padre. I don't know what to call him all the way. <laughs> Coming to us all the way from Fremont, California. How you doing, Padre? Just fine. I'm out here for a little bit of uh, work, so I'm on the right coast for a few weeks, but then I had to go back to the dreary, dreary coldness of the east. Yeah, whenever I don't see your, you wearing your collar, I, I keep wanting to call you Mister. So. I know. Well, actually, that's, it's like a Superman's secret identity. When right. I'm not wearing the <laughs> so collar, I've just, no I've just given it away. <laughs> that's right. Thanks. Thanks. And all the way from Central Ohio, we're currently under storm watch. So at any minute, you may hear glass shattering and him diving for the basement. It's Professor Allen. How are you doing, Professor? It sounds like a great setting for a Stephen King novel. I'm just saying it's not Maine, but it's got that feel. <laughs> And gentlemen, we are joined this week by a great, great, great group of, of, guest ho- of guest hosts and guests here, starting with Alan Dusk, all the way from San Diego, California, the author of the Shady Palm series. Hello, Alan. Hi there. How are you doing? I said series. Maybe, uh, maybe I just gave you an idea. You could plan a whole series on yeah. the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one book right now, but um, there's, there's thoughts of doing a couple other things tied to it. So. And also joining us today will be Brian D. Anderson and his son, Jonathan authors and creators of the godling chronicles book one is out now the sword of truth uh how are you doing brian doing great how are you guys doing very good and how is jonathan yeah, um, he's right here i'm good awesome <laughs> how old is jonathan nine nine and already got your name on the front cover of book great <laughs> i was 10 before i got mine no. great too uh so let's start off as we always do by asking each other, what have we been reading this week? I'll start again, once again, starting again with the Padre. What's new with you, my friend? Um, well, I'm still continuing the Daniel Suarez series of books. I'm just about to finish up, so he's got three books out right now. And um, I, I, I got to say, I, I am a techno-thriller, techno-pulp fiction thriller type fan from way, way back. Uh, you know, uh, uh, back to Tom Clancy. This is it's kind of living up to it. I was really... I won't say disappointed, but I was really frustrated with the ending of the first book because it, it was it, it's like when you watch a movie and it sets itself up for the sequel. I, I hate when it does. Yeah, that, I, I'm told it's much of a cliff, cliffhanger. <laughs> exactly. But it's paying off. It's, it's actually a really, really fun series. If you if you like that sort of suspense, techno babble, Star Trek meets James Bond type stuff, it's, it's a great series to read. Uh, Professor Allen, what's new in the comic world? Well, uh, I've I've uh, I've been picking up some of the new Fifty Two DC trades that are starting to come out, the collected editions. Read uh, Animal Man and Wonder Woman. Aquaman, of course, is on the list. But I've also been doing my book guy's duty, working my way through Viper Pilot, yes. and also working my way through uh, the Audible of uh, Ender Shadow. You're a two book so guy. I've been a good, uh... I've, I've been a good book guy. Yeah, you're a two-book guy like me. I'm, I'm going through Viper Pilot, <laughs> and I'm also uh, I'm, I'm enjoying Viper Pilot, but I'm just going to crack open today Neil Stevenson's The oh. Diamond Age. But first, I have well, to I transcribe can... all the CDs onto... I don't know how to get them in. Look, I don't know how to get them into the into the iPhone. So. Just, just push a little harder. I'm going to push harder. Just go right in. 
Actually, question for, for Professor Allen here. With the new 52, not a spoiler, but I want your opinion. Does the new 52 Joker know the identity of Batman? I'm going to say yes. Okay. It's, it's, it's a, it's I don't a, it's a I don't know. swirling controversy. Yeah, it's an open, open We like yes. putting him on the spot. We like putting well, him on the I spot, Professor Allen. Well, I always thought in the old 52 or however many it was, I always was under the impression that Commissioner Gordon knew. Because if right. he's supposed to be the best police officer in, uh, in Gotham City, and if you think about it, he's, uh, Batman has lots of money and lots of cool gadgets, and there are a limited number of people who could supply that. So the, the notion that uh, Bruce Wayne is, is involved, I think, is... Uh, an open secret. To Come song. on, but he does the voice. He does the voice. <laughs> it's like when Clark Kent puts on the glasses. It's all you need. That's right. You, you cannot penetrate the voice. <laughs> uh, and uh, Mr. Brian Anderson, what if, if, you know, we, we will talk about all your books, of course, later in the show. And But uh, have you been reading anything uh, lately that you enjoyed? You know, um, I've, now that uh, book two is completed, and um, it's going to be it's a little while before I need to have book three out, I'm going to take some time to read a few books. Um, uh, one, um, I really want to read the uh, J.R.R. Martin uh, series, The Game of Thrones, because I, you know, I, you know, you hear so much about it, and sadly, as a fantasy writer, I've never read his material. You, you will uh, not I be really disappointed. I hope of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, everybody says it's wonderful, so you know, I'm excited to get uh, get my hands on it. Now, uh, Prepare to set aside a lot of time to read those. That's right. They are tomes. And not short, quick reads. No, I, I, may I recommend trying them on audiobook? Uh, and Jonathan, have you been reading anything lately, my friend? Yes, actually, three books. Space books? I love um, space books. I lo- look yes. if, if, no, if, I mean, I said three. Three books. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, um, How to Kill a Monster... The White and Thief, which actually inspired me to about the story. Inspired and you to create the... the Tiger Rising by K.G. Camilla. Very nice. Very nice. That sounds great. A great bookshelf you've got going there, my friend. And, and Alan, uh, anything new on your shelf or in your Kindle? Um, I actually just started reading uh, Horns by uh, Joe Hill. Um, I'm about a quarter way into that one. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So we are going to start talking to Alan... Uh, author of Shady Palms, and I'm going. I'm trying to find the appropriate jingle here. Hmm. Uh, I could go with fiction. I could go with war. I'm going to go with fiction. 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 And I'll throw in the war. There you go. Alan Dusk, author of Shady Palms, my friend. You want to tell us a little bit about the, the plot line? Give us a little synopsis of Shady Palms. Uh, I've been reading through it and enjoying it on my uh, Kindle. Okay. Well, the, uh, the official synopsis is um, it's about a uh, kind of a sleazy uh, motel that's on the outskirts of San Diego. And um, there's a lot of uh, shady things that go on at the Shady Palms. Um, the, do you want, uh, do you want the, the, the Padre to cover his ears now? or uh... Maybe he might have to. I'm not uh, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> sure about... down. I'm not that kind of Padre. It's all good. <laughs> uh, you know, just, just in case. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Yeah. Sorry, please continue. <laughs> okay, so um, so at the uh, the Shady Palms, um, there's a lot of the the owner's name is Sanjay, and uh, he has a lot of things he's going on. He uh, he does a lot of criminal uh, activities. Um, he uh, has cameras in pretty much every room in the motel, so that he can send those feeds to a website and uh, make money off the people that are just checking into the motel. And uh, every once in a while, he helps uh, cover up for other things. So um, there's a uh, terrorist plot that's kind of unfolding through the story that grabs the attention of the, uh, the U.S. government. And so they start um, investigating the Shady Palms Motel and kind of what's going on there. And uh, how, how far uh, should I go into it? Because I, I try to keep some... Uh, Secrets in right. there. Right, we're going to try to try to try to stay spoiler free. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, the the rest of the story is about um, Sanjay trying to cover up things at the motel, while the uh, a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Um, there's a lot of seedy characters that come in and out, and so he's trying to cover up things while the FBI is trying to investigate things. So it's kind of a game of cat and mouse. Well, there's a whole other. Uh, kind of creepy aspect to the story that's unfolding yes <laughs> when, when when you were thinking about this don't take this the wrong way did you start with did you start with the creepy did you start with the terrorist did you start with the fbi sort of how do you how do you end up with such a weird mix of of things going on well the original the original thought um for the book was definitely with the creepy um and and since we're talking i was talk a little bit about it um there's it turns into kind of a creature feature story um so i had to come up with a way with how did these things come into existence and uh one of the one of the popular uh items it seems in creature features is radiation so i threw in kind of the terrorists trying to build a bait uh a dirty bomb so that we could get our radioactive element in there to kind of act as the catalyst and trigger the creation i, I gotta say you really creatures. nailed creepy for me because um <laughs> i don't want to give too much away the book but i hate bugs I mean, literally, if I saw a bug crawling across the studio right now, I'd have like a six-man team in here spraying, you know, and uh, you really nailed it. And you've got a lot going on in the book, but somehow all seems to work together. It's, it, it, like you said, it's a creature feature. That's why I played the war jingle, the fiction jingle. Okay, probably, here, let's, we'll throw in a little bit of that, too. I mean, you got a lot going on, but it seems to really work together. Yeah, I figured a lot of layers in there would help kind of mask actually what was going on. I, I, I saw on, on the website you've got some readings and things coming up in the next week or two. Is that sort of on those you're going to focus on the more Halloween elements? I mean, was there some, some, some timing uh, uh, timing on that, or is there that uh, coincidental? No, it's, it's definitely I timed to release the book in October so that I could go after Halloween and horror fans and and those those types of people um the uh the signing i'm doing two signings right now one's at the uh, mysterious galaxy bookstore in san diego which is a genre bookstore they have fantasy science fiction oh, yeah. G- give us dates because we're, we're this the show releases tomorrow we usually record the day before so okay. uh the the first signing is going to be uh october 20th that's next saturday at a uh, mysterious galaxy that's at 2 p.m in the afternoon and then um, we're doing another signing in Las Vegas at the Sci-Fi Center, which is going to be say on January. the 25th. Oh, it's um, in October. 
October. Sorry, did I say January? I was hoping for January. That's when I'm going to be there. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, October 25th is going to be the other signing in Vegas, and that's at 8 p.m. at the Sci-Fi Center. Now, I, I'm mostly asking you not to spoil it because uh, I'm about three-quarters of the way through on my Kindle. Okay. As, <laughs> as the listeners know, I, I don't get much time to spend sitting and reading. I try to observe as much as I can through audio. But uh, please don't spoil the ending. <laughs> okay, I won't, I won't now, do that. <laughs> I, I got to ask, when you're doing research for a book like this, and, and as you mentioned, you, know, you wanted to bring in one of the, uh, the, 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 the Goldwart standards of the, the mutation. And in your case, it was radiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many different ways are there to turn it into a creature feature? I mean, there's the radiation. There's always been the ever-popular chemical bath, moon rays. Uh, you know, how do you choose when you're when you're creating a, a, a dark novel like this, which method you're going to use to make your creature? Well, for me, I chose it kind of based on the old school 50s fears of radiation. Um, the fears back then we used to have the Russians and, you know, they were going to nuke us. And so I was making it more contemporary. So now we have uh, terrorists who are trying to, you know, nuke us. Um, <laughs> so I use that. I use that. Um, as, as my catalyst, you know, it was, you could have gone a couple different routes, but my, my background is in the medical profession. And so I thought it would be kind of a fun to play with, uh, you know, there's a lot of radio radiation therapy and, um, there's a lot of effects from that just on people. And then it seems that just through the nuclear accidents that we've had, like with Chernobyl and, uh, now with the one in uh, Japan, mm. that it seems insects very, easily start to mutate when they're exposed to radiation so it was just kind of a given i think after i added all that together now how long did it take you to write the book it took about seven months to do the first draft um i i'd been playing with it i'd actually started a screenplay version first and so then it was easy just to take that screenplay and just use that as the outline for the book and if quentin tarantino is listening (laughs) <laughs> he might be interested. You, you, you are willing to talk options at any moment. Yes, certainly, anytime. <laughs> Fantastic. And is, is the book officially out now, Alan? Yes, it's officially, um, it's officially on sale pretty much everywhere on uh, October 1st. Um, you can get the uh, paperback um, on Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com. It's available on every e-reader platform out there. Um, it's even showing up on bookshelves in uh, certain cities, certain stores. So that's good. Fantastic. And where can people find your information, Alan? Uh, do you have a website that we can send everyone to? Yeah, the easiest way is just to go to alandusk.com. That's A-L-L-E-N-D-U-S-K.com. And uh, I have links to all of my stories and works, and uh, there's even a trailer for the book on there. So. Yeah, I saw the trailer. Uh, I would have played it now, but we're, we're right now still an audio show, so it doesn't really work in audio, but people should go there That's and click fine. on it. It's kind of neat. It does give you a great idea of what's going on. Man. It sounds like, uh, looks like you've gotten some pretty nice uh, nice reviews uh, so far. So yes. How's it, how, how are you feeling about it a few weeks in? I'm feeling good from the reviewers. Yeah, you know, I, I specifically, since it's a horror book, I went after people who record horror or you know, review horror books all the time. So um, most of them have been saying, you know, it's, it's a fresh take on things. And so I thought that was good. That's the, the last thing you want to do is write a book and then hear someone say, oh, well, someone just wrote a book like that. <laughs> so, 
Exactly. That's great. Uh, good question. Um, when you're writing a book that has a questionable hero, <laughs> uh, like your book does, uh, how do you walk that line between, I mean, you've got to make them completely despicable so that people hate them, and then you've got to give them some redeeming qualities so that people care if he dies. Uh, how do you walk that line? That's that's a hard line to walk. I think um, one of the best things I've ever heard is you, whenever you're writing your villains or your anti-heroes, to write them like your hero. Mm. To go through and you know kind of give them like if you were really them and you were really set out to do these things yourself, get into that mindset and um, focus on that. Yeah, I, I like that old expression. Everyone's the hero, you know, of their own. You know, of their own story, so you know, even the most villainous don't think of themselves <laughs> as villains, or certainly, even if you're doing a few shady things, you're not doing them twenty four seven. Right. Even yeah. a, even a creep like Sanjay. Yeah, exactly. So even someone like Sanjay is a hero. Even you know, even though he is kind of a smut peddler and an overall sort of dirtbag, he he can be a hero. Yeah, he has he has his moments in the. I think I tried to show it in the book where he has his moments where he does have care and compassion for certain people, even though there's other times when you know human right. life really doesn't mean much to him. Excellent, shady palms. I'm really enjoying it. I, I will talk about it again on the show once I, you know, I can't do a three quarter review. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it again on the show. Really enjoying it. Great combination. Uh, you got the terror plot uh, plot line. You got the. The whole creepiness. <laughs> you got the later on in the book. You got the the creature feature. This is great. Love it. So check it out. So Paul, Paul, you can tell us now how you want it to end, and Alan can just say hotter, warmer, cold, cold. <laughs> That'll hurt. Yeah. How, how do you think it's going to end right now? That's the. No, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> Are you stick around with us uh, for the rest of the show, Alan? We'll talk some books. Yeah, I can Excellent. hang out. That's fine. Excellent. That's great. Because we're going to move on and talk to our other good friends here, our new friends. And their book is... Fantasy. Fantasy, The Godling Chronicles, Book One, The Sword of Truth, by Brian and Jonathan Anderson. Hello, guys. Hey, how you guys doing? Very well, Brian. Um, So so let's start off. I'm going to ask you, uh, Jonathan is is, uh, credited as the original concept, one person who came up with the concept. Uh, how, did, how did that happen? Well, you know, it was kind of... I, I used to write a lot of, like, really dark, cerebral kind of stuff. I was always a fantasy lover, as, as you know, as, as a young man. One day, Jonathan came home and just it just was kind of bursting to tell me of this idea he had for a story. And, you know, I thought what I was going to listen to him, and by the time it was all over, um, I left my story behind and then decided to work on that and uh jonathan how did you come up with the uh, the idea for the the story well i came well i came home from school and i um we just got the percy jackson lightning thief movie and i wanted to watch it and when it was over i had this really I had a really good idea for a story, and I went right away to my dad. Excellent. Now, now, maybe, Brian, do you want to give us a, a little synopsis of the story that your son came to you with? Well, and, the, and that you've the made bring to life? I, if you read the book, the prologue itself, 
is almost action for action what he told me. Now, I mean, I, I put it into more, you know, sophisticated wording and stuff, but it was, the, the idea is that the protagonist, the Dark Knight, um, steals what's called the Sword of Truth, and with it, he's locked the door to heaven and uh, trapped a god and is trying to take over the world. Now, the, the, there is the, the hero um, got in gooey steading. He is the only being on Earth that is uh, born from the union of two gods. He's not half god, half man, or anything like that. But he's, you know, was didn't know this at the time. He was raised as a human. And when he discovers his origin, it's a pretty classic, you know, good versus evil, unlikely hero. You know, I didn't try to reinvent the wheel with the, with the, uh, with the, you know, after, after it sort of took on a life of its own. There was no point in that. But, you know, um, he has a mentor who is a, well, I don't use the word demigod in the story. I use uh, uh, half-man. And there's elves, and this it's a really fun story. Now, uh, it, it's clearly labeled Book One of the Godling Chronicles. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is there, uh, are we looking forward to an, an, like a the trilogy? Or is there another story coming along? And will Jonathan be a part of that as well? Oh, Jonathan, uh, Book Two comes out on uh, November 2nd. Oh, excellent. What's, uh, book, what's the terrific, title? Terrific, terrific. What's the title of Book Two? And, Can you give it away? Uh, huh? Am I going to give Book Two away? <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, what, what's the story? What's the story of book two? Just a little bit. Uh, the book two takes over. There's a cliffhanger at the end of book one, and um, the, it starts out resolving what happened there. And book two goes a little bit deeper into the relationship between the elves, and um, you've, uh, there's a little a little bit more. Uh, danger involved. You get uh, to know a little bit more about the other characters' backgrounds and lives and the, uh, the trials and tribulations that they're facing. Um, the love interest and that um, sort of takes on a new dynamic, and um, there's new challenges there. Which Wait a was, minute. Wait a minute. Is this a kissing book? Not a kissing book. <laughs> Oh, that's a relief. Nice, nice homage. Nice ah, homage. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, think about all the best stories that are out there. You know, I mean, you have action adventure, but you have to have romance. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, even Star, even Star Wars has romance. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he, even Rambo Three has romance. I think at one point he looks <laughs> he looks back from driving the boat and kind of glances at a woman. That was about that was it. <laughs> Wistfully, it was wistfully, <laughs> very wistfully. Yeah, no, no. Is, is Jonathan involved? A popular story over the years that doesn't have a romantic interest. Is Jonathan involved exactly. in the second book as well? Yeah, I mean the second. The sec- uh, wait a minute, make sure I heard you right. Uh, I was I was wondering if Jonathan is involved in the second book as well. Oh, he's involved in all of them. Go ahead, answer, Jonathan. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, I am involved in all of them. In fact, I had a really good idea in, for book four. For book then, four? If, nice. If, <laughs> oh. You mean book three, sorry. Oh, book three, sorry. That's great. 
Well, I hope there is a book four as well. Good for you. <laughs> well, there'll be probably about six from the looks of it. Excellent. Now, now, have you been enjoying this, Terrific. Brian, working with Jonathan on this? You know, it has been a unique and wonderful experience to, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm getting to know my son in a way that a lot of parents really don't have the opportunity to. And, you know, I mean, when John was three years old, it's the kind of mind he has. When he was three, he, um, we were at the, oh, well, he was just almost, almost, he was just wanted to talk. And we had this red glass mosaic vase. And looked at it, came up with an idea for a story about a man and a king fighting on top of a volcano. Lovely. <laughs> Sorry, quick question. Uh, when you're creating something like this, it, you know, you said that you, you're hoping that this goes about six books uh, to, to, to wrap up the, the arc. Uh, how do you create the rules for the universe? Uh, I mean, it, you're you're setting down. Uh, they're not demigods; they're half humans. You've got a single character who was born of the union of two gods. Uh, you know, you've got defined powers and what you can and cannot do within this world. Uh, do you ha- have you mapped that out in your head all the way to the end, or is it something that it sort of evolves and and changes as the needs of each story grows? Well, in this particular case, I mean, there is magic and power, but it's derived from the energy of the earth, the air, the water. It's not magic in the sense that you see in a lot of fantasy novels. Um, I'm more about developing the characters, I mean, within within the story, and less focused on the magic and power aspects of it. I think it's more interesting to the reader. Um, it's cool. It's cool to have magic and powers, and I do include that. And, but it's it, I'm more, I'm more concerned with the relationship within the story. Um, like for example, the elves. I didn't do the whole J.R. Tolkien, um, you know, ethereal, unapproachable type. I, they, they're like real people with real with real divisions and issues. Yeah, I was going to ask a you know, similar question to to to, uh, uh, to the father's question about sort of do you start do you start uh, when you're thinking about you know books down the road do you start sort of thinking where you you need the characters to go and work the plot in from there do you start with plot and then work the characters in or or how much do those uh, go together? Well, as somebody who like you know tries to focus on characters, I try to focus on the character relationships first. And that, you know, you have two characters, you want them to have certain interactions with one another, you want certain things to happen between them. Um, That sort of will drive your plot. That will, you know, take you where you want to go. I mean, it'll give you ideas on how to get them there. If you want two people to start hating each other, well, I mean, it's a lot easier to... Um, you know, figure out ways to get them to do that. You know, if you want them to fall in love or whatever you want. Um, I, I think it's easier to approach it from developing the characters and then let that help you drive the plot rather than the other way around. Now that you've got, now that you've got uh, two books out, what sort of what did you learn about just about sort of the writing process at this point that you think you can apply or maybe make a little easier? <laughs> with, with, with the um, with the following what I books, what we learned is editors are worth their, worth their weight in gold. 
That's good. That's good. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You think you're great until, until the editor gets hold of it. <laughs> yeah, I've met a lot of editors who, although maybe not creative like an, a writer would be, there certainly are wordsmiths, and they can turn your story into a, you know, a thousand times better uh, flow. Oh, yeah. And it's like Stephen King said, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I know there's a child present, but Stephen King said, you don't want to kill your babies, so you have to get an editor to do it for you. A lot of, a lot of people will not <laughs> cut out that character or that chapter because it took them, you know, three months to write the chapter, but an editor knows that, that chapter shouldn't be there and they will gladly hand it back to you an envelope and say, here, you keep this on your shelf, but not in the book. And uh, yeah, looking yeah. forward to the second book. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the Godling Chronicles here again. Uh, book one out now. Book two out in November. What uh, what day in November is it, Brian? November second. Yeah. Okay, excellent. And maybe we can have you and Jonathan back on sometime soon. We'd love to be here. And we'll talk about uh, the second book. And would you mind staying with us for the rest of the show as well? We're gonna talk about some book news and just books in general. Sounds wonderful. Excellent. Excellent. So, gentlemen, it's about that time in the show that we like to press this button here. Book news. Lots of book news, gentlemen. Of course, uh, the Nobel Prize in Literature. Uh, The Swedish Academy in Stockholm, that was awarded, and here's the clip. The Nobel Prize in Literature for 2012 is awarded to the Chinese writer Mo Yan, who, with hallucinatory realism, merges folk tales, history, and the contemporary. That's Mo Yan, the Chinese writer, whose name actually means don't speak. He's got some controversial writings, my friend. <laughs> but of course, that whole thing is, uh, you know, also combined with the, the, the actual Nobel Peace Prize, which of course went to the European Union for some strange reason. <sighs> I don't know of that. Who picks, who picks the winners there? Is it, is it like a, just a group of elites? I have no idea. It's an international blackboard. Right? I, I mean, will confess that I'm not sure I've ever read a Nobel Prize winning book. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but I've got know, a feeling I have not. I was gonna say what maybe are, in tenth grade. What are they thinking? I'm watching riots all over Europe and you know, to give the EU the peace prize and last year to give it to you know, no offense to you Americanos in the room, but to give it to your president who has a kill list on his desk to give him the peace prize, I'm just saying you know, maybe Gandhi could have got it, you know, or you know, maybe the <laughs> a priest, maybe Padre Balasir could have got it. I've got space on my shelf. <laughs> book news of course in fantasy uh, the Hobbit Lord of the Rings trilogy the whole shebang has finally arrived on audiobooks uh, Audible of course releasing them as uh, WhisperSync ready books so not only can you purchase the books on uh, Kindle you can click the WhisperSync button and seamlessly go back and forth between the audio I have a small clip here of the Return of the King, which is book three. Spoiler alert if you haven't read the first two. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Pippin looked out from the shelter of Gandalf's cloak. He wondered if he was awake or still sleeping, still in the swift-moving dream in which he had been wrapped so long since the great ride began. The dark world was rushing by, and the wind sang loudly in his ears. He could see nothing but the wheeling stars, and away to his right vast shadows against the sky where the mountains of the south marched past. 
Sleepily he tried to reckon the times and stages of their journey, but his memory was drowsy and uncertain. There had been the first ride at terrible speed without a halt, and then in the dawn he had seen a pale gleam of gold, and they had come to the silent town and the great empty house on the hill. And hardly had they reached its shelter when the winged shadow had passed over once again, and men wilted with fear. But Gandalf had spoken soft words to him, and he had slept in a corner, tired but uneasy, dimly aware of comings and goings, and of men talking and Gandalf giving orders, and then again riding, riding in the night. This was the second, no, the third night since he had looked in the stone, and with that hideous memory he woke fully, and shivered, and the noise of the wind became filled with menacing voices. A light kindled in the sky, a blaze of yellow fire behind dark barriers. Pippin cowered back, afraid for a moment, wandering into what dreadful country Gandalf was bearing him. He rubbed his eyes, and then he saw that it was the moon rising above the eastern shadows, now almost at the full. So the night was not yet old, and for hours the dark journey would go on. Ah, we'll cut that off, but uh, as you can see, that is, uh, let's see the gentleman's name, that is Rob Inglis, narrating. I'm glad they picked a British actor for the Tolkien series, doing a fine we job. Have, uh, we spent many a, uh, many a summer, fa- a family summer trip listening to, listening to Rob Inglis narrate those. They went, that was back in the book on tape days, but I'm old. Yeah, well, these have been remastered. Uh, these have been re- these are freshly recorded for for Audible. Uh, the sound quality is great, and of course, you can always go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys or bookguys.ca slash audible. And uh, despite the length of these, these are hefty novels. Uh, they're coming in at at least twenty hours a piece. Uh, you can get them free for just for trying out Audible for one month and love Audible, loving the new Whisper Sync. Like I'm one of those weird people that flips back and forth, so it doesn't cost me, you know, sixty dollars now to do that. If I can do it for under fifteen dollars, you, you know, something about that the whisper sync of service is there, you really do get two different experiences when you're reading it and listening to it. Uh, I mean, they're both the same information, but I, I find sometimes that if I'm listening uh, to an audiobook and there's a, there's a section that I really like, I will actually go back in my Kindle to find that same section and read it and just read actually get all the details. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it, it's a new type of reading. Uh, you know, people might think, oh, you, you, you listen to it or you read it, you don't do both, but you really do if you like the book. I was actually at a, at a cousin's birthday party on the weekend. Uh, it was one years old, one years old. So needless to say, there's a lot of time for us adults to stand around chatting I mean, because we couldn't, couldn't fit in the bouncy castle. So... <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'm standing there talking about the book show with some of my cousins and uh, some of them hadn't heard about it yet. And uh, one guy says, well, I, I don't have time to read books. I said, well, neither do I, but I listen to them. He said, well, you can listen to them? And it's amazing the, the amount of people I talk to that don't know that audiobooks even exist. Or they keep thinking back to books on tape where you had to carry around a 60-pound box, you know, where now you can just download the Audible app for your Android, Kindle, your PC, your Mac, your iPhone, whatever, iPad, and, uh, you know, download directly from the Audible app. And the books are, with Audible, yours to keep in a way. Uh, they're yours. They're licensed for life for you. We've discussed this before. We're not going to do it again. But but with the Audible app, you can restore all your purchases <laughs> that you've ever made. So even if I were to buy a new Kindle device, 
uh, I can restore all the purchases I've ever made onto that device and then just give it to one of my friends. <laughs> loophole, loophole, loophole. <laughs> loophole, loophole. <laughs> By the way, right now, I, I do want to make an appeal to the audience. Um, I actually I love uh, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit series. I will say, however, we have coming out this winter, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, uh, a new film by Peter Jackson. I would say, could you not watch it for about two months? Because Tom Merritt has that in the movie draft, and I'm competing against him. So okay. <laughs> not watch it immediately. Definitely go watch it, support it, but not right. Well, yeah, what's, what's in your movie draft so you can watch that instead? Oh, gosh. Uh, I did not get any of... I got locked out of the big ones. The two big ones this season are um, Twilight, because sparkly vampires uh, always... Uh, Can't well. do it, Padre. Sorry, I'd love to help you out, but <laughs> watching that once well, is I, enough. That's, that's, no, no, I, I, don't, Twilight have, I don't have Twilight. Part two. No, uh, Sarah Lane has Twilight, and definitely don't go see that. If you have any testosterone <laughs> in your body, please don't see that. But... Um, I've got things like Hotel Transylvania and Frankenweenie, um, uh, Django Unchained, Jack Reacher, and The Guilt Trip. I'll do any one of those. I'll watch Frankenweenie just because it has... Uh, just oh. between us. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Alan, do you, do you uh, participate like, in listening to... Just between us, can I... I was... Sorry, go ahead, Professor. I, was, well, I was, wanted to make sure, am I allowed to, am, am I allowed to buy a movie? to the father to buy a ticket to oh, the yeah. father's movie and then go to see the hobbit okay absolutely if there's a dispensational aspect to that i need to speak with you about before or after that's you guys are having a lot of fun with this movie uh, whatever i need to do <laughs> <laughs> um now i'm going to ask uh, our, our panel of uh, authors here alan do, do you listen to audiobooks not as much as i uh used to when i was younger i used to back in the tape days, yeah, I used to always have lots of books on tape. But um, more recently, no, I don't listen to audiobooks so much. It, I'm so busy sometimes that um, I spend my time either reading right before bed or um, I listen to podcasts like yours and things whenever I'm driving in the car. So yeah. well, That is the correct answer. That is the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, now uh, the, the thing with, the, uh, with audiobooks is that there's still a huge barrier to entry. I mean – uh, Brian, uh, Brian, Jonathan, Allen, uh, for for an author to have their book translated to audio, it's still an expensive endeavor. Um, I mean, you can do it on the cheap. Uh, you can do it yourself through something like PodioBooks.com. Like uh, you know, some people have got great success moving on from there, like Seth Harwood and, and you know, all our good friends that have been on the show. Um, but it's still a huge barrier to entry. I mean, it's so so different. Getting that professional voice is not cheap. You know, like get, getting a Scott Brick or Mr. Inglis there to, to read your book is we were talking thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Well, it's crazy labor intensive. If you've ever seen someone actually sit in one of these audio rooms and just do all the takes you need for an audio book, uh, you, you realize where the money's going. Yeah. <laughs> really, it's labor intensive. Well, when Scott Brick was on the show, he said it was usually about five to one. So for a 30 hour book, It'll take them 150 hours, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so imagine. I'll believe it. And they're not reading from some magical, you know, prompt teleprompter. They give them a little paperback of the book. And you literally have to sit there and quietly turn the pages as you, as you go. And there's the cat. Cat keeps jumping on my chair. Uh, Padre, my friend, 
you seeing as you are the digital Jesuit, the host of This Week in Enterprise Tech. We like pressing this jingle sometimes once in a while, too. This is going to be a stretch as far as book related here, but I just because a lot of our users do read on iPads and on iOS devices. Uh, as of the 11th of October, Apple is now offering targeted. Get out of here, cat! <laughs> That's Sparky the Wonder Cat. Apple is offering targeted ad output uh, opt out, not output opt out. So now you can find in your settings on your iOS device one button that says on and off. And if you turn it off, uh, Apple will not track your reading habits, your browsing habits and whatnot, like Amazon does. Um, and we'll turn that off. So you won't get, you know, it's kind of creepy. If, if I'm Googling, you know, a, a Las Vegas trip, like for the last two weeks now, every Google ad I get is Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm browsing the Kindle store and Hey, you would like this book, Las Vegas, Viva Las Vegas. And it's, ah, it's kind of creepy. So hoping Amazon could put in a simple one switch like that as well to turn that off. This is one of those interesting, um, I I won't say it's a carryover, but it's definitely a a remnant of our old views of of privacy. Uh, You know, we are accustomed to to being able to say, look, I don't want anyone following me. Uh, My business is my business. Stay out of it. When I'm in my home, you can't come in my home. If I'm in my car, you can't come into my car, etc. The problem is that's not... That's not the society that we live in anymore. So even though I, I don't, I'm not filled with great Apple love, um, I don't see this as being an Apple thing. All the search engines do this. All the social networks do this. This is how they make money. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not the excuse. The excuse is this. If you want a better online experience, so if you want Amazon to know what you read so they can suggest good titles, and the same thing goes for Netflix, or right. if you want your search results to be more relevant so that it's not giving the, the same bad 10 results each and every time, then they do have to track you. I right. mean, that's, that's just one of those things. Well, the, the thing, uh, Padre, I like, I, I'm just going to... something here, if I could. Yeah, please. Um, you know, um, Amazon, for example, offers what's called the KDP program for authors. And what you have to do is you have to be exclusive with them for 90 days, and you can do free days, but it also offers you a lot of, uh, a lot of other things. My book was self-published up until... Um, about two months ago. Then I got picked up by a small indie publisher. They put me on the KDP program. One of the advantages of that was that whole tracking thing that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And my book got sent along as a recommendation with other books. Now, I went from selling five books a month to now I sell 80 books a day. Yeah, huge, huge deal. From an author standpoint, I love it. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I like having the switch, not because I want to permanently turn it off. I like the ability to be able to turn it off temporarily. Because yes, right. Doing what I do, I, I go through. I, I search a lot of books on all the various uh, sites, you know, on iTunes, Amazon. Now, the problem with that being, I don't like all those books. I like all the books we've been talking about today, but I do also search for other books that really I don't like. So what ends, what ends up happening is my experience gets spoiled because my tracking is erroneous. Uh, it's the same thing as like your Netflix. If you, right. if you have a, a child over for net, uh, to watch your Netflix, like the kid's over your house and you're like, <laughs> I'll put some cartoons on for her. And she watches cartoons for 10 hours. That spo- completely spoils your Netflix experience going forward because now all my picks are geared towards, you know, uh, 
Okay, I don't know what kids watch nowadays. It's not into Yo Gabba Gabba, right? Right. I was going to say Transformers and GI Joe, but that's long gone. That's that's our generation. Yeah, but it, it all becomes. Oh, no. You might also like Dora the Explorer. I'm like, no, I would not. So I would like to have that switch, so I can just say, look, for the next four hours, it's not me. <laughs> you know. But see, Paul, that's that's an enlightened version of uh, a vision of what this is, which is I, I want to be able to turn it off because there are times when the search will not represent what I, I typically right. want you to bring back to me. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the legal reaction, the reason why Apple is doing this is because there's still a lobby out there that, that is saying, I don't want you tracking me at all. Right. And I, I just, I see that as very nearsighted. I, I do like the temporary similar. switching it off just because today when, when Sir Jimmy told me he couldn't make the show because he was at a big cornhole tournament. Okay, I had to Google what that meant, and apparently it's a bean it's a beanbag tossing thing. It is a beanbag tossing. We're, our show is still not explicit today, folks. But I had to look it up, and you know, questionable. That's all I'm saying. Like to have turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Allen, we have some. But that's a great insight, Brian. That being that that being included there on the on the recommended list. What a what a benefit that was for you. But it's not it just was, for him. It's amazing. It, yeah, it's it was also- amazing. It, it was like night and day. It, it made me, it, and, I, and I'm telling you, in four weeks, I went from being nowhere to where, I, for the past month and a half, I've been on the top 100 bestsellers list on Amazon. Congratulations. And that's that's great. how beneficial that program is. Yeah. And it's not just for the author. It's, it's, for, it's for the reader, because they get right. and the I think material they wouldn't find. Right. And I know, I know readers who have preferences right. that right. are, are uh, conducive of your book, they're they'll get brought to your book because they like reading Tom Clancy and they like creature features and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, through the keywords and whatnot, they'll get led to your book and they'll enjoy it as much as I'm enjoying reading it. So tracking good, being able to turn it off temporarily, even better. Even if the switch didn't say off, if it just said, look, my kid's over, give me two hours. She's watching Dora the Explorer. She's browsing that, kids' books. I would, I would love that. I would say, you know, tracking paused for two hours. Boom. Yeah. Button. Well, perhaps not tracking your searches, but tracking your purchases. If you, I mean, yeah. searching for books is one thing, but if you um, say you buy um, um, a George Martin book, and there's other books that fall into that category, and you actually spend the money on this book, perhaps right. it is a good idea to give you recommendations in that category, Absolutely. as opposed to you looked up a book, because somebody asked you to to see how much it costs, yeah. I don't see why they, they'd even be interested in tracking that. Yeah, and, and Amazon does pretty good with the recommendations as far as things you've bought and right. what you should. It's it's the same same type of deal as the Genius on the Apple side, and you know the, all the various other services, Kobo and whatnot. But uh, yeah, definitely, you know, it makes sense tailoring it to my reading. And uh, sometimes they use an algorithm, kind of like what Netflix does, which is. Um, People who liked this movie, and they know because they track, whoever really liked this movie, they also liked, happened to also have like given five stars to that other movie. So when I watch the first movie, it tells me, hey, people who like this, nine, 99 times out of 100 like this, so here. And then you know what? It saves me a lot of time from watching crappy movies. Or not crappy movies, but movies that I personally wouldn't like. Same thing with these tracking with Amazon. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not saying this is a good movie or this is not. They're not being critics. They're saying according to the data, someone like you will right. like this, and it saves you money, and you end up purchasing Shading Palms or the God Chronicle, the Godling Chronicles, and enjoying it. 
Now, Paul, do you want me to introduce a, a element of paranoia here? Oh no! Here we go. I need okay, a paranoia so jingle. I, Hang on. I, paranoia. Sorry. Paranoia technology. I like that. But no, that's good. <laughs> so uh, I actually do deal a lot with in, in the enterprise side. Uh, what's called social media analysis. So uh, the, these enterprises have figured out that they need to to uh, to do all this tracking, to look at your social media activity, to look at your purchases. Some of the most incredible software right now out on the market that people can buy, that Amazon could buy, that et cetera, et cetera, could buy, will actually determine when you're going to buy something. So, for example, if it's tracking my Amazon activity, it knows that I will search for a particular product or I will search for a particular book and then I'll leave for 40 minutes, which means typically that I am now looking at another site, maybe comparing prices, and then I'll come back and it will say, okay, he comes back three times and then he makes a purchase. So the software is actually smart enough to know that the third time it sees you, it should push in front of you not just the book but other things that you may buy because at, at that point that's the time you're buying them. at its lowest. Wow. Right. So <laughs> it, that's that's the level of science behind the tracking. They, they actually know when you are most susceptible to buying things. That's why they pump the oxygen into the casinos at Vegas, my friend. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been the guy who invented that. No kidding. I know. I know. Well, it's, it's all pattern recognition. That's all it is. And, and never turn off. I think Amazon just got to Professor Allen. Yeah. <laughs> I think the storm has come in, my friend. I think so. I think the storm has come in. He's losing. He's losing connection. <laughs> <laughs> he did say before the show he might. He might lose bandwidth in the storm. The satellite dish is uh, being pounded with rain. So you know what? We're going to take a quick break, and then we will come right back. We lost fresh on. We'll take a quick break, gentlemen, and we'll be right back. Hey, Paul. This is Orson Scott Card. I thought I was the book guy. Now I find out you're the book guy. What am I? Oh, I guess I'm just the author of Ender's Game. Okay. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're listening to The Book Guys. Book Guys. And we are back, and I believe we've lost Professor Allen. Not lost him, not for good. We lost connection with Professor Allen during his storm watch. He's in the basement, huddled with his family, uh, it's probably turned off all the power. The Padre was just saying it would be nice if he had left his webcam on so he could see the storm rip the roof off. <laughs> we'll continue. Professor Allen is he's currently on his way to the land of Oz. And Professor Allen has poor timing because uh, we're at the part in uh, book news when we talk about... Comic books, comic books, comic books. Just a quick story because Professor Allen's not here with me. We'll talk more about it next week. But uh, the big app, Comixology, that's the big one on Android and iOS... That everyone uses because uh, you can buy Marvel, DC Comics, all the major studios. Uh, they track your purchases. So if you uh, ever lose your device or buy a new device, you can just put Comixology back on it and get your comic books back. Plus, you can buy a cheaper Android device that's larger than your iPad that looks great and has a huge comic size you know, screen for under $200. Why not? Uh, so they are, the news with them is that they are now uh, debuting their submit program. And they're picking up indie comics for their app. And I believe there's a, an approval process. So maybe they're, uh, you know, they're not, they're not accepting 50 shades of comics. 
but uh, but <laughs> for all our independent artists out there, and there's some great guys out there doing stuff, great girls and women doing things out there, uh, they will now have an outlet on the digital world for their stuff, which has been a concern, of course, of the, the move to digital has always been that, you know, the uh, there was a conspiracy theory back in the day that, you know, the word the very word Kindle meant that this is how they're going to burn the books. Uh, this is how they're going to lock it down to the major publishers. You know, if Dick Cheney doesn't own it, you cannot be published. You'll, no one will ever see your book. Where now, if you really want to, you can take your book to a book bindery, have it made, get in a van like Scooby-Doo and the kids, you know, and uh, run around the town selling the book, getting it out there regardless, or put it on your own website. But uh, it looks like Comixology is going a great route there with the independent submissions. Looking forward to that. Yeah, this is actually huge. It really is. And you don't have to be a graphic novel aficionado to understand why this is a good move. Because when once the, the indie movement within the comic book community is huge. I mean, you go to a Comic-Con or go to any of these independent conferences where you see, you see stuff in these graphic novels that you would never see in the mainstream. And it's nice to know that there's now an outlet for them to get their book into the hands of more than just you know, the thousand people that come to, to every conference. Right. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't read a lot of graphic novels, but it's nice to know that there's, there's going to be a bigger selection. Yeah. And, and we go back to, to books, um, you know, even uh, the iTunes approval process is questionable as far as books, but it seems that they do other than porn, they do accept everything else. I mean, they don't, uh, so far there hasn't been any major stories of anyone being denied because of political content or, you know, uh, whatever content of the book itself, other than pornography, which, uh, you know, yeah, maybe shouldn't be on the general store. But, um, you know, there was concern before Amazon and all these other places, if they would uh, not accept self-published books, which which apparently they've all gone the same route, that they do accept them. And uh, I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, Alan, Brian, uh, you two, you're, you're both now uh, published through through publishing houses, but... Uh, had you not had that, uh, you know, that chance to, to be published, you always have that option of self-publishing where this hasn't been true in comics until pretty much right now. Well, definitely. I think, um, you know, for, for authors going through, like, the self-publishing is good, but a lot of a lot of these smaller comics, they've, they've published through the web, you know, yeah. um, for the longest times. You know, it's good that they can get it into this other medium where they can move it around. But um, yeah, the, 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 but the whole thing with publishing on the web is you still have to drive traffic to your website, and that's costly. Um, it's really hard through word of mouth. Uh, even driving traffic to bookguys.ca, yeah, can do it. Really, you know what? I can get a, a six million people there tomorrow. It's going to cost me a million dollars on on Google Ads. Yeah. But you know, and the same thing with your own personally published because your, your website is no one knows it's there until you tell them it's there and it takes a lot of work whereas in, the, in this case now they can just you know publish it to comiXology and again through that whole uh tracking thing hey you like this you like superman maybe you will like dishman dishman actual comic by the way i'm gonna bring that into the show his superpower is he can wave his hand over the dishes and they clean all by themselves I I I would want that power. Just just saying. I'm just, just saying, saying he'd make a lot more money than Superman. <laughs> it's going door to door. <laughs> so so and his kryptonite are the uh, the prepackaged uh, washing yes. uh, packets. 
<laughs> now, now, Brian, uh, what do you think was the hardest thing about getting your book published? Well, like, what was, what was the most difficult well, part of the process? Getting anybody to read it. Okay. You know, I mean, uh, they, they, you know, you, you, can, you can send it to all the publishing houses in the world, and uh, it ends up on the slush pile. Um, whoever picks it up is likely to only read maybe if they get through it with the prologue or ch- uh, through chapter one. They're not going to, you know, and, and if it's like me, as I was very inexperienced at the time as far as um, trying to get published, um, I wasn't aware of the, the, the entire process. I've done a lot of short stories and, Write, you know, writing for other people, you know, and, and, and things like that. But I'd never really tried to do a, a full-length novel. And you know, once you're self-published, there is actually even now I know that Amazon accepts it, but there's still a stigma attached to that. If yes. you're self-published, and they look on your book, and it says, um, you know, uh, published by Amazon or published by Create Space Independent Publishing Platform on your book. Um, it, you get a stigma attached to you, and, and, and you know, Brian, there's there's a reason for that because even here on the show, I I won't bring an author on that isn't published unless I've read their book. Where in other cases, I can, you know, I mean, I can't read twenty eight books a week. Sometimes, uh, I'll if, if you're a self published author, uh, you're not coming on the show until I can read your book. Because I mean, there have been a few I've gotten that page one has sixteen grammatical errors. None of the words are spelled right, and the story makes no sense. And I give up by chapter three, and you know, thank the Lord I didn't bring them on the show because I don't want to bring books to the show that you know listeners aren't going to enjoy. So, in one way, they are the gatekeepers of quality, the publishers. But you know, uh, sometimes it's not that; it's just the fact that maybe they've already done their thirty fantasy books for the year, and they're not taking any more. So maybe your book's not on the slush pilots, and the maybe we'll publish it next year pile. Well, you know, I mean, you're, you're right. The whole, whole self-publishing thing is kind of a mixed blessing. It's um, you get you do get access to some really talented um, writers, some really talented, um, you know, books that you know, that writers that weren't willing to wait five, ten years for a publishing house to pay attention to them. So they went ahead and, and went uh, went through it themselves. But they also did the editing and proofing process and did everything that they were supposed to do. Um, but, you know, you're going to have the, the hacks out there that just w- want to see if they can make a few bucks off Amazon. Yeah. And uh, the only people they listen to, whether or not they're any good, is their wife and their brother. And they're going to, of course, tell them they're great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so a mixed blessing. You know I mean? You've got to take the bad with the good, you know? Now, we're gonna go, I'm going to go back to uh, the whole trying to get your stuff read. And you were, you were mentioning that, uh, you know, They'll only read the first chapter. And that's, that's one of the reasons why having a good editor is important. And I've spoken with a lot of editors that have read great books that build up really slowly and get to the real meat of the story halfway through. And, and the most common thing that these editors will do is, is uh, call you up and say, they'll say, you know, they'll say, Brian, we're taking chapter eight. That's going to be chapter one. And then we're going to go back in time and, and start the story again. Because they know that that you know the, the the publisher that's reading that the person that's reading that they know chapter eight will will get them, but chapter one's not going to do it. You know, they they te- you know if you go into any how to books on how to get people to pay attention to your book, first thing they tell you is um, it, there, you have to have action and something that grabs you in the, within the first ten pages, and if you don't, 
then you need to go back and do something. Start them running. Unless you're you're J.K. Rowling, you know, or somebody like that, that they're going to buy your book no matter what. Yeah, casual vacancy. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Now, Alan, for you, what was the most difficult part of of getting published? I know you were were self-published for quite a while there. I, I, I still self-publish like short stories and yep. things like that just to get them out there um, for the fan base. The, the biggest thing is just the weight. Whenever you submit your book, sometimes certain publishers, you know, they only want you to exclusively send in your book to them. And so then you can't send it to other people. And so sometimes there's this big, long wait in between. It's sometimes uh, frustrating, you know, nail-biting. But then at the same time, you get to work on other stuff while you're waiting for that. So. Yeah, very frustrating and uh, you know, time intensive getting your book out there. But once once you've got it, even if it's self published, you've got it now. You've now you've got an Amazon link. You can get on the Twitter, on the Facebook, and all that, or get your nine year old son to do it because he probably knows how to run it better than you do. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we're gonna, we're probably going to be doing. I, I I was floating the idea of of uh, doing an audiobook about making your own audiobook, but. I'm, I'm now floating the idea of doing a little series here on Book Guys Show where we just sit here and uh, we'll give you the technical details on how to do this. Now, we, haven't, we don't do meetings between shows, Padre, so I don't know. What do you think? We're, we're going to do a little sort of a little how-to, starting from $0 up to $1,000, how you can produce your own, your own thing. If you read it yourself, you're getting much closer to the $0 end. How you can get it out there, get it on Podio Books. Uh, up to you know thousand dollars, where you want to get yourself a nice little home studio where your audio quality meets the Amazon, so yeah, Amazon Audible standard for submission. Uh, if you think you can narrate yourself, if you think you have the personality, you can talk through your own book. If not, find someone that you know can do it for you for cheap, and we'll give you all the details. I think we're gonna do that little series. That'll be our evergreen episode, Padre. For when I love uh, it. when we're away, I know Padre, you have to run soon. Or can you stick around for a little bit, or you got to go? I can stick around for a little bit. Okay. So we are going to just remind everyone, November 18th, Twit. <laughs> the Padre might be the host. Is that still a yes, maybe? Actually, it's confirmed. I will be the host, and I'm trying to uh, make it Padre and an all-female cast. Nice. We'll I be- don't know if that's going to fly, <laughs> but... Uh, we'll, we'll, I, 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 I will say right now, uh, Felicia, if you're listening, yes, please, please respond to that email. I really, really would love to have you as a guest. That's right. And we'd love to have you here on the Book Guys show as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be nice to have Veronica and, and Felicia on the show, the book-loving girls that they are. And I promise not to say anything about Veronica getting married. We're very happy uh, for I'll, her. I'll even send them a nice Cabernet so they can have a fine glass Ooh. of wine as they, as they uh, podcast. That'll do it. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you. Brian Anderson. Jonathan, how are you? You still there, buddy? Actually, he's right here. Let me get him. Yeah, go get him for it. I want to say goodbye to Jonathan. Yes? Jonathan, my friend, keep writing those stories, coming up with those ideas. We want to, we want to read more from you, and I want to one day have you on the show uh, with your own book that you've written all by yourself. Maybe with a little help from Dad? Yep. All righty. Brian, thank you very much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Brian. Thank you for joining us, yeah. Alan. Oh, it was, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Nice having you guys on. Maybe we'll have you all back on again soon. 
And Padre, thank you as always. Always a pleasure. Professor Allen, who is now going through the storm. Hope he makes it through for next week. Next week, we do have Dan Hampton on, the Viper pilot himself. We have Tom Merritt joining us. It's going to be almost like a Tech News Today episode or This Week in Tech. (laughs) We will see you next week, folks. And we are usually here at the same book time and the same book channel. Going to video soon. Very soon. See you next week, folks. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. Thank you.